Welcome to the Purple Talk Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham, and you know what? The idea of this season was to give you a video component and uh, for me and Doug to interview guests every single week, but if you look at the Kings schedule, uh, it has eaten us alive. Every single time we go to record a podcast, uh, the Kings are back out on the road, and it makes life very difficult. Uh, we do have a great podcast coming up next week. Uh, it is one of our King of the Day. We, we've already recorded, and it's ready to roll with Harrison Barnes. Uh, so you will have that during Christmas week. But I've had to sort of figure out and roll with the punches here. And that means that we're going to do another phone interview with Mr. Doug Christie live from Indiana. What's going on, D.C.? What's happening big time? I'm, uh, I'm living the dream, my friend. That's what I'm doing. You live in it, okay? So, like Memphis has, uh, it's known for their what barbecue. Um, you yeah. know, New Orleans is known for uh, their etouffee and uh, the gumbo. Um, what is it that you get in Indiana? I- I'm just wondering. Besides, like a lot of Larry Bird and uh, and maybe even a picture of Jerry Reynolds somewhere. Definitely the Jerry Reynolds. That that is uh, that that is well done there, Ham. Uh, I, I don't really know, to be honest with you. Uh, some cold weather. That's for damn sure. I believe it was nine degrees yesterday at one point last night. So, uh, cold weather. This is the Hoosier State. They love basketball. I mean, other than that, I haven't spent a whole lot of time here, man. And when we played, we we stayed uh, right next to St. Elmo, so we'd eat those uh, big prawns and stuff like that. But other than that, I have no idea. <laughs> That's good. Uh, a couple of former Kings live out there, don't they? Um, I, I think Brad Miller at least spends part of his time in Indiana. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of hoops around if you want to go out and play in the snow, right, Doug? Well, you know, I, I grew up in the rain in Seattle, so I, I have played in the rain. Snow, not not so much. That that one I, I'm not sure about. But, yeah, you're right. I, I have with Brad, I don't know. Brad's anywhere hunting is. Uh, I do know Scott Pollard lives in these areas. I have not seen him, but I do know that he is around. But, um, yeah, Indiana, man, uh, I'd always try to come get a W here. And then I, we didn't spend much time. We'd be in and out, uh, to, to be honest with you. This is the – the first time I've ever spent like really extended period of time, except when I was with the Knicks and we played them in the playoffs. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, all right. So let's get to it. Uh, the Sacramento Kings, of course, are on a four game road trip. Um, Doug, they just, it feels like every time that you think they figured it out, they punch you in the gut. And, and I think, you know, like I, I always fall back on this. Uh, Paul Westphal used to say, uh, there are excuses and there are reasons. And um, I think sometimes we do get caught up in, in making excuses uh, for why a team is playing bad, um, but also we have to look at the fact that there are reasons. There uh, is a young point guard who just returned after a 17-game absence. There's a young power forward who's just four games back after missing 22 games with a broken thumb. Um, and you know, I, I think maybe you got a couple of days here in Indiana to get some practice time in and try to let the pot stew a little bit, but what is it that you're seeing that makes this team just brilliant on one night and able to come away with incredible tight victories and then other nights where uh, they seem to stumble against lesser opponents? 
You know, one one of the things, obviously, you look at the defensive end of the floor. I think that that has been an area that they have been really, really good in. And I think part of a young team, an inexperienced team, and I, do you have some veterans? Yeah, but then you have pieces that are at a really cornerstones in, in positions that uh, maybe not understanding the attention to detail, the physicality that you need to play with, the sense of urgency that you need to play with. And, for instance, we see some straight-line drives, and those straight-line drives cause help, and then you're not back in there because normally that help's going to come off of Marvin Bagley, Rashawn Holmes. That means they leave their guy. When they leave their guy, exposes them to uh, wide-open offensive rebounds, Bismack Biombo tipping the ball back out. All of a sudden, you put yourself in a deficit. And I think that you, you kind of get into the mindset that, that we're doing enough or somebody else will do it as opposed to understanding the fundamental attention to detail and the intensity that you have to play with in this league, not on every given night, on every given possession. And the more you require it and the more you hold yourself accountable and just being around Luke Walton and his staff, they are, they are telling them, they are showing them the, the tape, the everything. It, it's, it's a process that they're going to have to go through, and it's a painful one because on many nights they're going to show you brilliance, as you mentioned, but then you're going to go out and you're going to lose to a team like Charlotte that you should be able to beat. And then uh, they go into Cleveland last night and they lose to uh, in probably a, an inferior team, but you allowed them to beat you because of a lot of little things yeah a lot of little things it it seems interesting that specifically that charlotte team has given the the king's fits this year and and every time again this is one of those pivotal moments early in the season uh where you know they went oh and five and that was their fifth loss uh where you thought okay well maybe they can pull out of this thing and and then they lose to a team that really is young um really has a lot of odd pieces that don't seem to fit together at all uh, and then, you know, of course, early in the season, the Kings came back two days later or three days later and beat the Utah Jazz. Um, so they were able to show you that, like, look, we aren't that bad. Uh, but again, this time around, it's like you pick up some big-time wins. You beat an OKC team. You beat a Dallas team. You beat uh, a Houston Rockets Houston. team. Yeah. And then you just can't find that that nitro button to, to beat teams like what well, – they lost to the Knicks, where they shouldn't have lost. Uh, then, of course, to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, now, Doug, you and I, maybe we disagree on this this next point. Um, I'm watching Marvin Bagley go out on the court, and and I, I just don't know what to make of it. Uh, number one, Luke Walton is playing him almost 100% at the five instead of the four, which is what he played last year. Um, and that does a couple of things. Number one, it takes Rashawn Holmes off the floor, uh, which to me, anytime you take Rashawn Holmes off the floor, this team struggles this season, and that seems like a no-no. Um, but it really, when for me, the moment I see Marvin Bagley on the floor, um, I know he's going to be aggressively attacking the rim. I know he's going to be aggressively demanding the ball, and I know he's going to be grabbing rebounds. But on the other end of the court, I also know that he's going to be slow in his rotations. He's not going to have the pro, the help defense that you're getting out of Holmes where he's standing there waiting. And we're seeing a lot of inline drives just go right into where Holmes would be on, uh, on a normal basis. And it just seems like he's a little slow in his rotations. Everything seems so focused on offense. And then you get to the defensive side of the ball 
And uh, on, on a few of these nights, he kind of has been unplayable. But you're seeing something different. So why don't you tell me, explain to me, Doug, what I'm missing here. Well, I, I think, first of all, when you look at Marvin, the, the expectations of him, he is an incredible talent. So he plays his freshman year in high school. He doesn't play a sophomore. He plays his junior. He fast forwards and doesn't play a senior just so that he can go to Duke. He's at Duke for five months. They run a zone, and you find him in the NBA, and you say, okay, fundamentally guard these guys, know what help is, know how to talk, all these different things. There is a process to that, and it's just, it is what it is. It's not from a lack of effort. I don't think that he's slow in the rotations I think that sometimes he finds himself out of position because a lot of the times he recovers with his athletic ability and that's not how you play defense you play defense fundamentally spatially in the right position physically in the right position because if you're not in the right position spatially meaning where you're supposed to be in relationship to the ball you're going to be slow if you're not physically in the right position that means as soon as you get ready to do it it takes time because you got to get down into the right position these are little tiny things but in the the big spectrum of everything that is something that he has to continue to develop and continue to learn it's not from a lack of effort the kid wants to be great i think that he marvin is going to be spectacular that's just my my opinion i think that he is a fantastic player what he ends up doing is he plays with his athleticism as opposed to being more like, say, Nemanja Bialica. He plays, because he's not athletic, he plays with fundamentals, with positioning. He uses more of his mind, but he doesn't have the ability to recover the way that Marvin does. So when Marvin learns how to play spatially and physically fundamental basketball, he has the one thing that a lot of people don't have. He has the ability to recover. That's when you use your athleticism once you're beat and you need to recover. So when I when I watch him on the floor, I don't really worry too much because these are lessons that he's going to have to learn. Sabonis was stronger than him when Sabonis came in the league. When we saw him in, in India, um, in India, he he beat up on Marvin. Well, Marvin's going to have to go through what Sabonis went through because Sabonis is a full grown man now. You can see he's physically more uh, the bigger and stronger but these are the things that a young player has to go through and it's the ups and downs listen you 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 put back in Marvin Bagley you put back in De'Aaron Fox and I and I warned the Kings fans on the radio and on television as well I said look there's going to be some ups and downs because now all of a sudden you brought Dwayne Dedman in here to pair with Marvin Bagley because he can stretch the floor, but he's fallen out of the lineup because of Rashawn Holmes. Bielitsa's playing well. Now you have to find the rhythm again, and that's going to take uh, that's going to take some time. It just it, it is, and it's going to take practice time. Luckily, they had two practices here. They went over a lot of things. That's the time that you spend with a young player like Marvin. And I see Luke with him with film, and uh, Bob Byers with him with film, and all those things. It, it's not he's not the type of kid that leaves the gym early he's there he's working he's paying attention he's he's trying to gain all the information but just think about what i said he played two years of high school basketball he was at duke for five months playing zone and here he is and i i think he's spectacular i think he'll be fine i understand what it is that you're saying but even when i was a young player i got used and abused many times until i learned those fundamentals and it took me a little while to garner all that knowledge yeah, I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying, Doug. And I just, 
the way that he is right now as a player, um, it, it's really it has put Luke at a disadvantage because really the only way that you can space the floor with him is to play him alongside a guy like ne- uh, Nemanja or to play him alongside a guy like Harrison Barnes. So again, now you're picking your poison. Either I have an undersized, you know, stretch four slash small forward uh, that's defending uh, alongside Marvin Bagley, and that might work, not work. Or I've got Bielitsa, who, let's be honest, Bielitsa is a lot of things, but what he isn't is a true center that can, you know, hold his hold his own in the post and who has incredible lateral quickness. And so you you kind of have these two options here. I don't know what it's going to take for Luke to find a way to get Rashawn Holmes and Marvin Bagley on the floor together, but this really, it kind of reminds me of a time last season with this team where I think uh, the best thing that the Kings could have done was to play Marvin alongside Costa Kufis and let Marvin learn from a professional and get barked at and get directed and told where to go. And I know the Kings didn't want to do that again because you don't want two guys that can't stretch the floor because it gums everything up for De'Aaron Fox uh, when he's trying to run. It gums things up for Bagley to go work in the post. Um, But you've got to figure out. And the one thing that I'll say, Doug, is that I I know this isn't what they want to do. What they don't want to do is uh, go back to what they did last season, which was just turn on the Jets and run everybody off the court because they don't think that that is sustainable long-term. But if I want to get a starting unit together and I want to not sort of leave Marvin on an island by himself when it doesn't look like he's equipped to start a fire yet, um, then I really do want to see him with Rashawn Holmes, give him somebody who is a defensive-minded player that can play alongside him, and I think the only way to do that is to turn the tempo up and run people off the court on the offensive end with those two uh, bigs sprinting up and down and Buddy Hill chucking from the outside and Harrison Barnes hitting from the corner and De'Aaron Fox leading the charge. Um, but now we get back into you know learning the game of basketball versus just rolling the ball out there and saying, let's just try to win games the best we can. So unless we're going to have a complete line change or some really, really strange tempo changes throughout the game where you go super fast with the starting unit and then you start peppering guys like Corey Joseph and uh, and then slow it down, you know, Nemanja Bielica and slow it down with Bogdan Bogdanovic and, and kind of go fast and slow and fast and slow throughout the game. I don't know how you make this adjustment. And I think it, it's really a difficult thing for Walton to figure out, especially on the fly and especially when... You're in the eight seed in the Western Conference, and there is a lot of, you know, sort of momentum here. Like maybe they've got a shot, especially with the schedule around them. So I, I think we're not too far away from agreeing on some of these things. I just, I don't know where this this can work itself out. Uh, where every time you put Marvin on the floor, your defense really takes a huge hit. And and I don't think that Dwayne Dedman is the answer, uh, just because of the way he's played so far this year. But maybe he is, but now that means a guy like Nemanja or or it, you have to steal minutes from the small forward or the, or the shooting guard spot. It just becomes like this uh, this trickle-down effect that, that really is difficult for Walton to figure out. See, I, I, where I disagree is like Marvin is 
I, I don't see him as the total not good on the defensive end because he works and tries. One thing that there isn't a defense for is straight line drives. And what's happening is a lot of the times we're seeing some of the guards get beat on straight line drives, and it doesn't matter who you are, how athletic you are. You could put Hakeem Olajuwon in there on the straight line drive. He's going to be late on help. He's going to get foul trouble, and he's going to bark at his guards and say, you're going to have to do better. I think that this is more of a team concept, and the fact that uh, Luke is holding everybody accountable and Bob Byers and the staff are holding these guys accountable, that's how they're ultimately going to they're going to improve. And I think that there's a there's going to be a process as we go here, meaning that you, you reel them in a little bit because they need to focus on the defensive end. Now they focused on the defensive end. I think they will speed it up a little bit because ultimately I think cooking with grease for the Sacramento Kings, going where they want to go, is the ability to play with pace and still play quality defense. That is where you want to be. That is a championship recipe. But you have to you have to vacillate a little bit, and you have to, to figure that out. And now that, that was the second game, Ham, that the Sacramento Kings had their entire roster. I mean, that, that, I mean if we look uh, yeah, at the season and you just kind of yep. go, yeah, you, you go, wow, okay. And it was a second game, but the roster has now shifted because even though everyone is healthy on the roster, positions and things have changed, and De'Aaron came off the bench, and Marvin's coming off the bench, and, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of things to, to go through. It's it's just, in my opinion, this isn't bad. I think this is good because what it's going to do is it's, it's teaching Marv that, hey, you got to learn. You got to focus. You got to make sure that that you are on it in studying and in learning and making sure that you don't just know your position. You need to know all five positions because this is positionless basketball. And you find yourself out of position, you point to somebody else and you tell them to get over there. But right now, he's still in the process of learning what he needs to do. And as the team grows collectively and and the IQ continues to grow, I think Luke can put more on them. More will be uh, they will. Will be able to solve the puzzle i said uh i didn't say this to you but i i think i said it on on air i call it a wide open loop and what i'm saying is we see them get in trouble sometimes and right now they're not able to solve the riddle so luke calls a timeout he sets up a play they run the play and they get a wide open loop and it's a really good they get a either a good bucket or a good look at a shot as opposed to hopefully later on this season or this time next year, they they don't need him to call the timeout. They can figure it out on their own. They can get a defensive stop and gain that possession back, or they can see a mismatch and get it right to him as opposed to him having to stand up and say, you know, I want this play, I want this play, because they're trying to figure it out. So they're, they're, in my opinion, uh, and, and maybe I'm optimistic. I'm the guy that said I see this team as winning 48 games, and a lot of people thought I was crazy. They start off 0-5. Uh, I, I think that they have the ability to garner that seventh or eighth seed. Is it going to take a lot? Yeah, it is. But uh, to whom much is given, and there's there's a whole bunch of talent out there, much is expected. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% there. Um, I, I hope that what Marvin does is that he starts watching some of what Rashawn Holmes is doing on the defensive end because uh, I, I agree I mean I see him out there swiping at balls uh, he had a couple of blocks even on the couple of blocks that he had um, I, I thought he was he was strangely out of position on the blocks he was getting and was able to use his athleticism to still get his hand on a ball 
Um, and I thought that that was really interesting. Um, but what the way that I've seen Holmes step up into the middle of the key and even setting the nail higher up, it's not what Marvin's doing. So it's almost like there's a, a disconnect on what the actual scheme is. And look, he's been gone for a long time. He's missed a huge portion of the season, and I know he's worked to get back on the court, and that's not easy in itself. Um, but he also has to learn, you know, the offense. He's got to learn the defense. He's got to learn the calls. He's got to learn where he needs to be and, and what the weaknesses and strengths of the players around him. Because I know what the Kings want to do is insert him back in the starting lineup. And it's very possible that they're going to do that sooner rather than later, uh, especially now that you've got Fox back. And how do you give Fox his starting job back and not Marvin his starting job back? And and I don't think it's a you know apples and apples situation there. I clearly think that you know the Kings have to do what's best for the team, um, but you also know that this is a group that three years from now, four years from now, is going to be who you're banking everything on, and uh, and you need to balance the today and the tomorrow, and you need to bring everyone along with it, and, and hope that you're able to develop these guys while winning on the court as opposed to developing them and just saying, look, we'll try this again next year. Because I think the let's try this again next year thing has gotten a little old for everybody involved, and that's not what they want to do. They want to win, and uh, and I don't blame them. And sometimes that means that if someone doesn't get to play in the fourth quarter because they can't hold their spot, uh, they don't get to play in the fourth quarter. Um, or they don't get to play on defense in the defensive sets, and you have to make some changes here and there. And so I, I really do think that Luke Walton... Um, so far, like he's been tested greatly in the first, uh, 20 something games of the season. And I think this is another test he's going to have to figure out. And, uh, so far I think he's done a great job of, of figuring things out and balancing things that, you know, with all of the injuries, but he's, this is just another test and he, he has to, you know, do what's best for the team, do what's best for the player, do what's best for, uh, you know, the organization and, and those are tough decisions every step of the way. Yeah, they, they are. And this is, uh, in my opinion, this is a team that, that can make the playoffs. They, they can do it, but, uh, having the talent to win and learning how to win are two totally different things. And that's the process that they're going through. And many times you don't learn how to do something comfortably. It doesn't happen that way. It happens in an uncomfortable fashion. It, it happens losing to Charlotte twice. It happens losing at home to uh, Chicago and blowing a 16-point yeah. lead. Yeah, or the Knicks. And not figuring out how to close it out and not taking advantage of the penalty and then having to go into the film session and, and, and everyone being called to the carpet and talking about it and then owning it and then the players holding each other accountable and then paying attention to the little details. That is a, that, that's a painful experience, and that's some of what the Kings are experiencing right now, but make no mistake about it. They will be better for it. I, I agree with you. They will be better for it. And uh, I think we're seeing that this team, you know, was pretty well designed uh, and that the depth has really come in handy in a different way. Um, I've said this before. I think I may have even said it on last week's pod. I really do believe that with Bagley and with De'Aaron Fox out of the lineup, almost every single player on this team was playing out of position. 
Corey, you know, Corey Joseph has done a yeoman's job. He's not a great offensive player, but he's done a great job of holding down the fort, uh, not turning the ball over, playing in exceptional defense at the point guard position. Uh, but he's a natural, you know, backup point guard. He's not a starter. I think Buddy Heald is not a legitimate uh, number one scoring option on a team. I think he can be a leading scorer, but not an, a number one scoring option on a team. And he's been thrust into that because of uh, the Fox and Bagley injuries. Uh, Harrison Barnes has had to carry a load that, you know, that you didn't expect him to have to carry, uh, especially with Ariza missing all that time while he was away from the team. Nemanja Bialica in the starting lineup, Rashawn Holmes in the starting lineup. These guys are, are playing really well, but what what is their best role for this team? I think Holmes' best role is in the starting lineup. Um, but, you know, a lot of these guys have had to take on completely different roles to try to mask the fact that they were playing without their two cornerstones. And now you got them back and you got to figure out how to balance it back out. And that's not going to be easy. It's going to take time. And, um, you know, you just hope that they can do it in this soft spot in the schedule uh, where they do have a lot of winnable games. Uh, you know, an Indiana team is very difficult. Uh, but, you know, you've got Memphis who is playing better. And, Doug, I'll point this out too. Um, I, I think if we look around the league, uh, a team that that is where the Kings, uh, you know, maybe you thought that they would have been a couple of years um, is the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? The Minnesota Timberwolves made the playoffs one year and they should have been able to take the talent that they have and continue to build and move forward. And they're a team where they just lose eight in a row. Um, and they're way out of the playoff picture already. And you're just looking around like, how in the world can that team with all that talent not put it together? And that's what I think fans should appreciate about the Kings team, the first 25 games, 26 games, 27 games, whatever it is now, is that they really have fought through adversity and they're still hanging tough and they aren't winning every game and they're going to disappoint you some nights, but they're not losing eight in a row and, and they're not a complete S show and falling apart. Uh, they're actually playing some solid basketball and they just win or lose in very tight fashion uh, in most nights. And they've got to learn how to, how to put away teams that they're better than. And that's something that, comes with time and, and development and understanding. Yeah, it, it does. And you know what? I, I give credit to Luke from the standpoint that acknowledging from the very beginning that the what I call pivot pass tear ASS, that is not a sustainable way to win in this league. You'll win, you'll win games, but that's not the ultimate goal for the Kings. The ultimate goal for the teams is to uh, put out on a night-to-night basis, a championship-level squad, a squad that can compete in the Western Conference. And what you're going to have to do is defensively, you're going to have to collectively get better. And offensively, I think that you have the weapons, you have the ability. There's a lot of learning that's still going on and needs to be done. But that's – listen, if you if you ask Luke, and I haven't asked him this question, he's not going to make any excuses. Do you, you understand what it is, but that doesn't mean you've still been in ball games. You still have the ability to get it done and you're going to have to figure out a way to make it happen yeah and just to finish that thought doug i i would much rather have five games looking back right now five games that you should have won and you're still in the eighth spot than uh than what we've had over the last you know 10 years where 
Um, wins and losses, you just never know when they're going to come. And you can't be disappointed if you win this game or that or lose that game uh, because you're not good enough to win consistently in the league. And I think we're finally seeing a team that if they can just make these little adjustments, they are good enough to win consistently at the NBA level against very good opponents. And uh, and so I think we're gonna we're gonna be in for a long ride this season of ups and downs. But I like the trajectory and where they're heading. So. Yeah. You know, you know, Ham. You know, one thing that I that you see with this team is why they play so good against like the Nuggets and the Mavericks and the Lakers and the Rockets and the Jazz and the Thunder, because normally younger teams or teams that they 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 pay more attention to detail when the stakes are higher. They play a, they play to the level of their competition. Sometimes that is a it's a bad habit, but it it lets you know that they have the capabilities. Now what they, this is how we started this conversation off, is now they have to understand the, the amount of intensity, the amount of focus, not against the Lakers, not against the Clippers and the Nuggets and the Mavericks and the, and the Houston Rockets, the teams that are ahead of you, but against the Timberwolves, against the Spurs, against the Grizzlies, against the Pelicans and Warriors. That's when you need that because you've got to win those games. The other games, it's a coin flip. But to be honest, they've been better uh, uh, against a lot of those teams than they've been against some of the lesser teams. I agree 100%. All right, well, that is going to do it for this edition of the Purple Talk podcast. Uh, like I said, we've, we'll have uh, Harrison Barnes for next week. It should be a very cool conversation. Uh, Doug will be back next week. And between now and then, we're going to have the holidays. So we want to mo- wish everybody out there uh, a happy holiday season, whatever it is that you uh, partake in. Happy uh, Hanukkah, happy uh, Merry Christmas, um, happy yeah. Kwanzaa, or whatever it is that uh, that you like to, to get into during the holiday seasons. Uh, just be safe and, and enjoy. Uh, Doug, we'll be back next week, right? And then uh, we got a, a December 23rd game. We got a December 26th game all at home. It's going to be busy, right? Yeah, I, I can't wait, man. This is a fantastic time of the year. And uh, pretty soon here, Ham, Kings are going to be playing on Christmas, buddy. You watch. Uh-oh, Doug's calling a shot. He's calling for a Christmas Day game. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to leave okay. you with that. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the Purple Talk podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. We'll see you soon. <laughs>